Welcome to the Alpha to Zeta podcast. Teaching you how to become a better professional for the future. Welcome back to the Alpha to Zeta podcast. I am your host, Zach Skimmyhorn, coming to you live from lovely Lincoln, Nebraska, with my co-host, Bella Rodriguez. Hi, Zach. How are you today? Bella, I'm doing great on this beautiful Friday afternoon here in Lincoln. And by beautiful, I mean... It was a high of 48 degrees today, <laughs> and also we had a fun night last night. Uh, we had <laughs> Cody YouTuber Co. Cody Co. come speak to us at UNL, fellow short king, a man that has shown me as another short man uh, how to have confidence, and then maybe someday I can find myself my own Kelsey Kreppel. Oh no. I also uh, started my own uh, YouTube channel because of him, fun fact, and uh, he, he has a podcast, and now I have a podcast as well, so maybe... Next step is to just the biggest fan. Take it on to my uh, music studio. Or, oh, uh, I get my own music career. But uh, yeah, we got to, uh, this is for everyone that don't know doesn't know. This is the Alpha to Zeta podcast. Uh, we are going to be talking about professional development, college life, everything from A to Z that a college student should know. I'm Bella. Uh, I'm a junior accounting major here at UNL. Um, I'm originally from Chicago. Um, I'm a minor in math, and um, it's I joined AKSI pretty late in my uh, college career. It was fall last semester, so fall 2020, um, and I'm really excited to have my big break on Spotify. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and so I'm Zach Scammyhorn. I am a junior marketing major. Um, I'm involved on campus with Alpha Kappa Psi with as the president of the American Marketing Association and as the uh, communications and marketing coordinator for the Nebraska Sports Business Association. Uh, I currently have an internship at the Nebraska Business Career Center. Um, what I do for that job is sort of create newsletters that go out to all the students and work on any marketing and promotional materials uh, that the Business Career Center uses. Um, I will have. I'm in really interested in sports marketing. I will have uh, an internship with fellow brother Hunter Fitton this summer with the Lincoln Salt Dogs. I'm really pumped about. We were supposed to have it last summer, and then COVID hit. Um, but really excited to get that rolling. And as long as well with Bella, we joined at the same time, uh, first semester our junior year. So, which I'd say is pretty late, but I'm really glad that we joined. Me too. I'm excited. But uh, with that being said, Bella, you ready to get started? Yeah, get... I'm, I'm really excited. Um, okay, so the first question that I have... Let, let's, let's, let's introduce... Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> it's really important. Okay. Is your name Jack or Jackson? Wait, let, let, yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's introduce him. Uh, we got former AKSI president. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. Um, so my freshman year, I, I, I started a, a job on campus with student involvement. And part of that job was shooting down on-campus events that weren't following rules or like following policy. And so like my little freshman brain was like, oh, like I don't want to be this like, you know, stick in the mud on campus. Everyone knows my name. Like that's the guy that canceled my event, like that kind of thing. So I was like, I have this awesome idea. I'll just put a S-O-N at the end of my name. I'll just go by Jackson when it comes to work. And that kind of bled over into the actual organization itself. And the name just kind of stuck for about a year, year and a half. And so you can kind of tell who the new members are by the fact that they call me Jack. And you know who the old members are when they call me Jackson, which is, I think it's funny. 
Um, my sisters didn't think it was funny. They gave me a lot of crap when it happened. And people were calling me Jackson in front of them. But yeah, real name is Jack. Um, funny story behind it. But yeah, good question. Awesome. Jack. For all <laughs> um, so you're former AK side president, current business specialist intern at Kiwit, future business manager at Kiwit. Um, and I, I just want to give our audience a little warning because uh, I want to let them know how insane you are, Jack. Uh- um, so when you first started AK or when you first joined AK Sci, uh, what three or four years ago? Yeah, it would have been a would have been a second sem- semester freshman. How, how many members did we have back then? Uh, you know, I I like to tell tell people that we had twelve just because it's such a low sounding number, but like honestly, range of like fifteen to twenty. It, it honestly just depended on the week and what people were feeling. Um, now I will say like back then it was a lot different just because there was a lot more older members and it was a it was just a different crowd. Um, everyone was super close to Tom, which was it, it. There was a good basis for you know starting to build up the chapter. Um, I kind of I kind of had a feeling of where you're gonna take this, and you know we really pumped up our numbers over the last you know four years. But I, I any of that success, man, like it, it's all on the previous presidents. Um, they, the previous presidents and their exec teams, like they, they all were the ones that, you know, installed or instilled the values of brotherhood into me. Um, and so, you know, now with our current number count, like, like people like to say like, oh, like, great job. Like you really grew the chapter. But it's like, no, like it, it's been a long time coming. There's been a lot of people from years past who really, really built this thing. up for me. Awesome. And for those that you, uh, that might not know, we have about, I'd say maybe 88 current members in Alpha Kappa Psi. So for you to stick out along all that time, and I will say I, I do think you have been a great leader. I remember you as president last semester. I thought you were great. Um, I, I told you if it wasn't for all the work that you put in, you know, maybe I wouldn't be in AK Psi. Uh, maybe some other people wouldn't have been in AK Psi. Um, so I think you were the perfect first guest for the Alpha to Zeta podcast, but uh, glad to have you on. Really appreciate that. Really appreciate that. But uh, yeah, Jack, let's get a little bit into you. Um, with Kiwit, uh, how did you get your current internship, and what do you do? Yeah, so let's see where do I want to start here. Um, okay, let's start back pre-COVID. Um, I am. I gotta backtrack it even further. Okay, um, I am a about to graduate, right? And I am a international business and finance major. And that's kind of important to this whole story. So uh, the reason I chose international business is because I am really basic. I really just wanted to go and travel. Um, and I realized that, you know, the best way to do that is, you know, getting scholarships through the international business programs, yada, yada, yada. Went through that whole route. Um, I studied abroad in Panama, which was absolutely awesome. Made a lot of cool friends there and just, you know, had a good experience. I wanted to double down and actually do a internship abroad after the Panama experience. And I was actually able to land a, a I think it was a IE abroad. It was just some program for the, for the university. Um, it was really cool. What they were going to do is they were going to set me up with a financial institution in Berlin, Germany. Uh, and I would have been there for the entire summer. I would have worked for like two months. And then the last month, of the summer, I was just going to, you know, back, backpack across Europe, you know, do the whole, like, find myself, eat a lot of food, meet a lot of cool people, you know, and I always made the joke, you know, like, you know, once I get there, I'm not coming back, like, and I, I, I honestly think, like, if I'd had that experience, 
I would not be where I am today. I think I would legitimately be like sweeping the bar, sweeping the floor of like a, a bar pub in Germany right now, just to like make, make ends meet. I'm not even kidding. Like that's, that's kind of where my head was at at the time. Um, and then I think what happened that really sent me down this new, this new path was, you know, COVID hit. And I, I remember reading all these, these reports coming out of China saying, oh, like there's this, there's this flu, like there's this virus going around. Like, like you know, like there's, you, you guys remember, there was all these stories coming out. There was a lot of confusion. There wasn't really many reports elsewhere, but, you know, I remember two months before it even landed in America, starting to read these reports. And I was thinking at the time, you know, that's not good. Um, and I was being selfish about it. I wasn't like, oh, that's not good. It's going to get here and it's going to kill 500,000 people. Now I was, I was sitting there, I was like, oh, that's not good. I'm not going to be able to go back back in, in Europe, you know? And so it, it, first of all, like the whole COVID thing, very humbling experience. It really, it's really taught me a lot. And I think it's taught the whole, the whole world a lot, but beyond that, that's a whole nother podcast discussion in and of itself. But I realized as soon as they sent that email on like, I think it was like March 14th. I don't, I don't remember the exact date, but they sent the email saying we're basically canceling all in-person classes for the rest of the semester. And I heard people cheering. Like I was in, I was in the college of business atrium and I heard people cheering. I was like, why are you guys, why are you guys cheering right now? And like, first of all, it's like, you're not going to be able to like go do in-person classes. You're not going to be able to meet with your classmates. Like, this is bad. This is not a good situation. Why are you cheering? And I just remember being really confused. And then I got a text from my mom um, after I told her like, Hey, like all in-person or all online classes. And my mom was like, what does this mean for the summer? And I was like, Oh man, like I completely taken that out of the picture, you know? And so like when COVID came and like when COVID was like a legitimate thing and the, you know, the government started to like make announcements about it, they canceled all the study abroad programs. So like I was just left hung out to dry. And I think that's a really common story. If like, if you talk to a lot of people my age, there's a lot of people who they were about to land their first internship over that summer and COVID just slashed it. Like it just like, basically nullified all of the hard work that all these people had done like i had spent i don't know man like 50 50 100 hours trying to plan this trip and plan this internship like i've been learning german for a couple of months so like that was just out the window and so then i i, I kind of fell into this trap where it's like i'm kind of scrambling i don't have any plans for this summer like what the hell am i gonna do and like i said this is super common like if you talk to other people they're gonna tell you a very similar story they might not be, you know, losing an opportunity to go backpack in Europe, work at a financial institution, but there, you know, there's other internships that were just completely canceled, and it sucks. It really, really does. It hurts. Um, and I remember I kind of spiraled for a little bit where I was thinking, like, this, this sucks. Um, I just lost out on a, a life-changing opportunity. I have no idea what I'm going to do next, and on top of it, I have no income coming in. Like, what, the, what the hell am I going to do? Um, and so I, I spent some time like just reaching out to some of my close network contacts, you know, with people I, like I'd had a previous internship with a company called Gavilon. Um, it was an international um, agricultural commodities trading company. And I'd had an awesome in in internship with them. And I, you know, I, I really tried to network it with them again. And, you know, I, I ended up getting lunch with a few people and I just basically floated the ideas. Okay. Like I'm no longer going to Germany. 
what are the chances that you know you guys bring me on again for this upcoming summer whether it's in person or not and they were like yeah like absolutely like if this if this doesn't work if, if, if you can't find something else come back and like we had left the previous internship as i've i enjoyed this experience i do not want to work for dad one full-time like it's it's too boring of an industry for me personally i get why people are in it but it's not for me and so like there really wasn't like this burning desire to go back but it, it was like this is a good fallback um and so then from there i was like i know i have this thing where i can you know i, I can work if i need to and that's that's kind of a, an idea i really stress is like i i try to explain this to the new members it's like your close personal contacts that you start building up while you're an undergrad and you continue to do that once you become a young business professional like those are going to be the most important contacts that you make and your ability to utilize them and turn those into opportunities like that's a skill that you need to start developing uh, but at the same time it's like you need to be able to also reach out to new people constantly and try to build those new connections on a regular basis as well um, so I, I had a few interviews with a couple of different companies, like really nothing was sticking. I tried just to reach out to people via LinkedIn. Um, I had a lot of really good conversations with a lot of good people. And I, I learned a lot um, over the course of like two, three months. Um, and what ended up happening was, like I said, like the, your ability to like leverage personal connections, like that's, that is how you really, really make opportunity for yourself. And so Personally, um, I was able to make a strong personal connection with someone at Kiwit who they had a, a close family member who was, you know, family friends and really just through conversation um, ended up getting an opportunity to speak with a recruiter from Kiwit. Um, I had an awesome conversation with Deason, um, still a really close um, co-worker of mine. I, I try to work with her as much as I can, but yeah, it was it was cool. Um you, you kind of get passed around a little bit between the different people that you, you know, you do your internship interviews with. But at the same time, it's like the people that I remember talking to, like those are the people that I, I, I look up to within the organization or I work with on a daily basis. So it's like the, the main idea I'm really trying to stress here is it's that idea of creating close personal relationships with the people that you're interviewing with or even just meeting on a regular basis. And when I say like close personal connections, like, like you think of like interview tips, it's like, oh, like make sure to like highlight your skills, like talk about your resume, like boring interview stuff. But like, it is, it goes beyond that. I've, I've tried to explain this during chapter meetings before. It's like, no, like ask like, hey, do you have kids? Tell me about your kids. Like, what do they do? You know, like what, what, why do you wake up in the morning? Like why, what, what gets you going when you wake up? Like why? do you enjoy doing what you do? And that kind of gives you a better idea of like, one is, are these the type of people that I want to work with? And two, is this the type of company that I want to work with? Because if the person you're interviewing with is like, yeah, it's a good company. Like that's kind of all they say. They don't really expand like that. I don't, they don't say anything like, I love the people. I love the benefits. Like I, I, I love coming to work here on a regular basis because I have fun at the end of the day. I'm, you know, like, I go out and get drinks with my coworkers. Like there's, you need to, you need to have those close personal connections with people in order to actually understand what the job truly is. And if you're going to be a good fit for it, because if you waste a bunch of time going through an interview process, you don't enjoy it. Like one, that's on you too. That's on them trying to hire someone that's not going to be a good fit. But like, 
I'm kind of rambling here, but I, the main point is it's those personal connections, like be interpersonal with people that you're talking to and like really try to connect with them. Cause that's how one, they remember you and two, you get hired. Yeah. I 100% agree with you on uh, the connections part. That's why I get so involved on campus with all the organizations that I'm involved in. Um, but with those connections, I know the career services really pushes uh, the app handshake for uh, job opportunities. But did LinkedIn ever play a factor in uh, maintaining those connections or getting that internship at all? I, I personally never really used Handshake, right? Like, I, I've always been a LinkedIn fan, fanatic. Um, and the nice thing about LinkedIn is, one, you can just kind of, like, submit your resume to, I don't know, I know people that do, like, 30 applications a day right now just because they're trying to, they're trying to find a job. But at the same time, it's like, if you just connect with someone, send them a nice note and just say, Hey, like, I would love to chat with you about what you do on a daily basis and the company you work for. Like nine times out of 10, people are going to say, yes. Like they, they like to, they like to help people. You know, the majority of people in the world enjoy helping other people. So that's why LinkedIn is really cool. I feel like handshake, it's very robotic. It's very like, this is the corporation. Would you like to apply? And it's, it's very different from LinkedIn. LinkedIn is like, it's a, it's connection driven. Like it's 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 meant for there to be a conversation created between the two people, and then that's how you build your network. Um, but I, I really like the functionality of just you know the mass applying capability and just submitting your resume. Like I, I got a few interviews just based off of that alone. Um, with Qit, that wasn't the case. With Qit, that was completely like on the phone talking with the people, um, and you know leveraging those connections. You talked about um, mass applying to internships, uh, so I just want to get more specifics on that. Uh, how many did you apply to before getting one, and how did you decide between them if you had to? Yeah, so I'll be, I'll be super honest. Kiwit was the only internship that made me an offer, and as soon as they did make you that offer, I accepted it, like, instantly. Um, I would say I probably applied to, like, I'd say five to eight. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the mass, mass appeal. Like when you hear, when I hear mass application, it's like a hundred and like, that's too many. Um, I think that's depending on your circumstance, you really want to try to leverage like close connections with like five to 10, maybe pushing 15. Um, but once you reach like the point of a hundred, it's like, you're kind of just copying and pasting your application and it's not really tailored towards the actual organization itself. And like, this is totally, totally situation-based. Like if you're in a position where it's like, I, I just graduated, I don't have a job, like, uh-oh, like you should probably start applying everywhere you can, right? You got to have money coming in. But at the same time, it's like, if you kind of have time, be methodical, um, treat it like a uh, treat like a math problem, you know, start at the beginning and then really try to pinpoint the solution. And that solution is tailoring your application, tailoring your conversations, tailoring how you're actually trying to land the job. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, being like an accounting major, it because the um, accounting industry is just so uh, kind of like a one way, there's not really any way to be different in that kind of thing um or what are some things you did that felt that you feel set you apart from other applicants or do you have any tips to make yourself stand out as an applicant awesome question 
Man, okay, so I mean, you both are super involved on campus. Like, you you're gonna understand this when I say it. But like, if you're an applicant who, you know, you go to class, you get straight A's, you know, you come home and you play video games, and like you you don't really go out and you don't really do much. You don't really you not you're not doing the extra stuff. And this is specific to business majors for sure. Um, other other areas, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking of like people trying to get into like med school, like obviously, obviously school is way more important in the sense that your GPA drives your ability to actually get accepted into different institutions for your further education. Whereas with business students, it's like, no, like you, your main priority should be gaining valuable skills, networking with people, trying to build a connection. Um, and yeah, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say don't study. Like, obviously, like I'm going to, I'm going to hit the books as hard as anybody and try to get a good GPA because that's dusting out to employers. But at the same time, it's like, imagine a situation where it's like applicant A, 4.0, great grades, very, very smart, you know, but they don't do anything else besides school. And then you have another applicant who, you know, let's say like 3.5 or even a 3.0 and they, you know, they're super involved there. They do a podcast for AK side, you know, they're also like involved with other organizations around campus and they have a couple of internships and maybe even a part-time job on the resume. It's like those two applicants to me, it's like, who would you rather work with? The guy that is the person that is able to, you know, hold down a job, work with other employee employees and like have a good time, but also obtaining a 3.0 GPA, which, you know, like that's not a, a GPA to turn your nose at. And then at the other hand, you have this other applicant where it's like, hey, you're really smart. I'm sure you would do a great job here. But at the same time, it's like, do you have a personality? Do you have drive to like wake up and do other stuff? Like, are you creative? Can you go out and, you know, problem? Can you actually solve problems? Like, I think the best way to stand out from other applicants is your resume and actually filling your resume with experiences that make you stand out you know like i i was sitting here i applied to my keyword internship an entire month late i i i when i had those conversations with those people who were interviewing me like they were really upfront. was like hey like this is really late in the game like we already kind of have our finalized list you know like we're going to try to make some room for you here if it's if it's possible but i think the really the only reason that they made that exception for me was because of my my resume you know, like I had, I had leadership experience with AKSI. Like I, I had been, you know, building a college organization and helping manage it and managing like a small group of people who, you know, were then going off and doing their own projects. And I think that's something that you need to be able to explain because when I had those interviews, I wasn't sitting here talking about my, what I learned in, in my accounting 201 class. Like I, I, they, like you, they see your, they see your GPA, they see your grade for the classes that you took, and like, what they care about is your ability to hold a conversation with the human being, be an interesting person, and actually go out and do interesting things, and just be involved. Like, show that you care about something because, like, anybody can care about a GPA. Like, you're saying that you're paying, for the most part, people are paying to actually take classes and be graded on their tests and on their assignments. So it's like, you should probably be getting a really good GPA based on that fact alone. 
but like what else are you doing like do you get ex- you know I, I talked about this interpersonal interpersonal connection building earlier where it's like what gets you up in the morning what are you excited about like what makes you an interesting person and I think I think just being able to communicate that effectively really helps you stand out and I I, I think you guys are obviously <laughs> you're doing a podcast right now on a, on a Friday um, as business students when you probably wouldn't be having classes normally so I commend you there already um if I have any advice for you two specifically, it's just like really try to figure out like how is this benefiting me and how can I explain to an employer why me having done this makes me more desirable than the next person applying. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say getting involved on campus has made it easier for me to gain experience without actually gaining any inter- internship experience. And, you know, I, I put all those clubs I'm involved in on my resume and I think it has helped me to get the two internships that I have now. Um, but speaking, we talked a lot about resumes. I want to talk about cover letters real quick. Now, I know this is a question that I believe it was Olivia Horner who uh, asked this in the AKSI group chat a while back. She asked, uh, there's this internship that I'm applying for. There's a section for my resume, but there is no section for my cover letter. What do I do here? Do I submit a cover letter or do I not submit a cover letter? And I had told about a story when I applied to Emeritus last year. Me and my friend Brent both applied for the same position. There was a section for a resume, and then there was a section for additional documents. Um, now, I, my friend Brent put the cover letter there. I put my portfolio. Uh, he got a phone interview the next week, and I got a rejection email the next day. Oh, my God. Um, so that, that was not fun. Um, and now that I got, now I'm talking about this, it does remind me of a story. Adi Kulinik, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He's co-founder of Open Doors. He said uh, if an applicant does not submit a cover letter in their application at Open Doors, they just throw it away. So the, the point that I'm trying to get here is when in doubt, send that cover letter out. But specifically, specifically for a cover letter, Jack, how do you uh, effectively write a cover letter? That's a great question. You know, cover letters were always kind of foreign to me. Um, I always was like, I was like super arrogant. I was like, oh, like, my resume is awesome. Like, everyone hired me. And so I, I, I definitely applied a few times to a couple of different places. And I just sent the resume. You know, you're not going to hear. Oftentimes, you won't hear anything back um, because, like, kind of like what you said, if you're if you're applying against someone else, we'll go back to the situation where it's like two different individuals. Let's say this time instead that they have the exact same experience the exact same gpa and the exact same um you know previous positions and one person writes a cover letter that is just like i'll, I'll touch on this but let's say they write a cover letter and then the other person doesn't sign one at all like i'm going to hire or at least give the person who wrote the cover letter a call um and the reason being is to answer your question it's a cover letter is meant to basically explain let me back check a cover letter is different from a resume in the way that the resume is proving to the employer that you have the qualified skills and previous experiences to actually perform the job that you're applying for. Your cover letter is meant to give a more personalized story. Um, and it's, it's meant to say, I understand that I can perform the job. That's how I always started off. I basically just kind of pull out some of the most important resume lines that I can think of. Um, and I it, usually I, I try to think of it like a, a four or five paragraph essay where it's like, I here's, here's who I am. Here are my most desirable skills. Here are my previous experiences. 
now let's talk about the job and the company that I'm applying for. All right, so here's the company, here's the mission statement, here are the core values. Here are the reasons why I align with the mission and the core values. And at the same time, here are, you know, going back to those, those uh, experiences and skills that I have, here's how I believe that I will perform beyond your expectations compared to the next person. You know, because if you're, if you're trying to sit there and you're saying, I understand the job, I have these skills, please hire me. Cool. Like that's a good cover letter. But then if the next person over is like, Hey, like, here's who I am. Here's my skills. Here's what the company is. Here's what the job is. Here's how all that blends together. And that is like that, that, that essay, that, that cover letter, like this is a snapshot of what I could be to you. Like, this is why I will be a valuable asset to you because here's how the company works. Um, you can't see my hand gestures right now, but like on, on one hand, here's how the hand, here's how the company is. Here's what the job is. On the other hand, it's like, here's me, all my skills, all my, all, all my qualifications. And you slap those two together and you mix it up. Like that is what a cover letter should be. Um, and there's a lot of resources that you can find. Just literally, if you just Google like how to write an ideal cover letter, you're going to find so many different resources to really help you do that. But I would, I would recommend for both, you know, writing your resume and your cover letter, go to career services at UNL. Um, one of the main recruiters for Nailnet, Michael Lindblad, he was actually the one who helped me write my original resume. And I remember having a conversation with him where it's like, this is like your, this is literally a picture of you that all employers need to be able to see and you want them to like it as much as possible. So you know, I went and saw him two or three times where it's basically just like, let's really hammer this thing out. I want to make sure that this is the best quality that I can, can send to an employer. And you should have that same mindset for a cover letter too. You should, you should have like two or three drafts. You should have other people look at it. You know, professors are in writing classes are always like, yeah, like make sure to actually really get people to review your stuff. It's like, yeah, have other people look at it. The amount of times where I've just like left out a word from a sentence and someone else peer reviewing my my cover letter just like points it out. I was like, that's kind of embarrassing. But at the same time, like, thank you. Like, it's there's easy stuff you can do to really stand out. I, what I'm taking away from this is that I have to work on my cover letter. But, <laughs> um, so now we talked about looking for an internship, the application process, and now I want to get to the interview. Um, what are some questions that you personally ask, and what do you think other people should ask during an interview? Great question. Great question. I, can I ask you guys a quick question here? How many interviews have you guys had? In the past three years, I'd say I've probably done about 10, around 10, I'd say. I would say around the same. Yeah. Too. Okay. How many of those people that you interviewed, do you remember their name? Uh, <laughs> I'd say only the ones that I currently have. Yeah. I, if only, any only job that I have currently, yeah. I don't remember anybody else. I think that uh, that, that idea of just like not even remembering the person's name. Like I, I, I'll be totally honest, like I'm not special. Like I definitely have tons of interviews where I don't remember the person's name. Um, and like you guys said, it's, it's the ones that don't work out. But at the same time, it's like, I keep alluding to this, this personal connection from earlier. Um, it's like, if, if you really want the job, if you really, really want the job, you need to make them remember you. And you need to remember them. And the way you get them to remember you is by having a great enough conversation where you remember them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. 
it's like if 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 you if you have a conversation with someone and you don't even remember their name afterwards, was it a good conversation? No, like that's a terrible conversation. You didn't even catch their name, and you don't you you didn't you didn't learn enough about them to make you remember their name because that's how you remember stuff. It's like you you connect it with other things. That's how your brain works. The the, the connections are made within your brain. Connection, connection, connection. That's why I keep I keep just spewing that word out. But like that's how it works. Um, and so like, I, I would honestly say like the first 10, 15 minutes, like you may, you, this may be different. Maybe the, the interviewer is going to just jump right into it. Like there's things you can do, you know, you can, you can try to steer the conversation back towards that, that personal connection. Um, and I think that's, what's so important is just being able to really, really learn who the person is you know like you these aren't just people in a box like they're not like npcs in a video game they're not just you know news broadcasters on your television like no like these are these are human beings they have their quirks they have their likes they have their dislikes they have their friends they have their enemies and you know they have their passions and their families so it's like spend some time actually trying to get to know the person you know like look them in the eye figure out who they are, where they're, where they came from, what they like to do with their life and why they like their job. Like that's, I think those are, those are like the four main key aspects that you really need to be able to answer when you leave the interview. And at the same time, like you need to also convey to them who you are, where you came from, what you like to do and why you want the job. You know, it's, it's a two way street. You're not being, you're not the only one being interviewed. You're interviewing the company. Like you, you should go into that interview with hundreds of questions. You're not going to be able to answer, or you're not going to be able to ask all of those questions. But at the same time, it's like through the natural flow of the conversation with the person that's interviewing you, you'll know when you when the right time is to ask a certain question. You know, like why do you like this job? You know, why are you hiring someone right now? Why, like, why, why are you? Why is there even job posting? Like, did the person that just had this previous or was the person who was previously in this in this role? Did they get fired? What did they do wrong? Did, did they did they leave? Did they find a better opportunity somewhere else? Like where is that? Like why can't I go there? Those aren't questions that you're specifically going to ask, but it's like you can kind of try to like pull information out of these people where it's like, is this worth my time? Like do I really want to work here? You know? And if they if they say like yeah we have a really high turnover, it's like why? Why are you experiencing such high turnover? Why, why do you think that I'm not going to be gone in three months? You know? And so like, that's part of the, that's part of the process. You really just got to try to figure out, you know, who, who am I being interviewed by? I need to be able to remember their name. I need to be able to make that personal connection. Always, always connect with them on LinkedIn after always. Like that's just a rule of thumb. Always do that. Um, you know, learn as much as you can about the company, learn as much as you can about the actual position itself. Um, and then my, my favorite thing to do, and this is something that, you know, you should always have a notebook and paper, or a, a, a piece of paper or a notebook and a pen. When you're in these interviews, you should always be writing down anything that they tell you that you think is important um, for a number of reasons. But the main one is, you should all, you should never, you should never leave an interview without asking, how can I perform to the best of my ability within this role? How can I, like, what to you, if this is specifically, if this is a future manager that's like 
because like there's there's multiple phases of an interview right it's like the recruiter you talk to them like you maybe go talk to another interviewer and then you're probably if you're still in the running at that point you're going to talk to a, the potential manager um and I, I think you should ask this question to all three or whatever amount there is, but especially the manager, you need to ask them how you can perform well in the actual role. Because like they'll they'll say, like, here are the minimum requirements to get this job. You know, tell us about yourself. Do you do you fit this? But then that you can then ask them further. It's like, you know, how do I be a good fit at this company? How do I perform above your expectations? How do I come to work every day and turn heads? How do I how do I start to really make a name for myself once I get this role? And I think what's so important about that kind of question is that you're not saying, if I get this job, what can I do to be really good at it? It's saying, how do I do this job really well? When I get this job, what do I need to do to perform well? You don't specifically say, when I get this job, you say, how do I perform this job well? You don't say any if, you don't say like, you know, Maybe if I get this job, how do I how do I perform well? You say, how do I perform well? And I think that's super important because it conveys two, two main things. One, it conveys to the person that you're asking, I expect to get this job. I am confident enough in my abilities and in, in myself that I'm going to get this job. And then number two, it also conveys something even more important, which is you're probably going to go through multiple interviews with multiple companies before you find the right fit whether that's a you fit or if it's a, a them fit. And then what's really cool about this kind of question is you really start to kind of pick up a little bit of ammunition um, for future interviews where it's like, let's say you talk with interviewer number two and they say, you know, some of the skills like that I really, really think would make an ideal candidate here is like really good time management, you know, really, really good written technical communication. You really need to get, be good at math. You're like, you really need to have these specific technological skills. But then what happens is you, you, you write those ideas down, right? And you, you say, okay, I need to in, either one, improve on this, or two, think about ways where I, I am excelling in one of these areas or multiple areas or all. And then when you re reach interviewer number three, who's that manager, and that manager is saying, you know, like I'm interviewing you to see if I like you, number one. And how do you, how, how, how do you guys think is like the best way to really like prove that, that your manager is going to like you? And the, in my opinion, the best way to convince them that you're going to be a good employee is to tell them exactly what they want to hear. Exactly. Because if you already know that the best ideal skills or qualities for an applicant is time management technological skill, well-written um, communication. It's like, when you get to the, ne the next stage, like talk about all the stuff that you do that proves that you're good at those things. Or if you're not good at them, own up to it and say, yeah, like I suck at math. <laughs> like, I, I guess that's a bad example because you probably wouldn't make it to that stage if you're not good at math, but like, you know, fake it till you make it. But, you know, let's say like, I don't really know how to use Excel. And like, that's a basic function of this job where it's like, if you really want to keep improving and, you know, getting promotions and stuff and like expanding your skill set, like you need to be able to convey like, hey, I have all these really great qualities. I think I'm going to be a great, a great fit for your company. But my only like concern is like, you know, like I, I don't really have much experience with Excel. Like, I really hope that you're, you're willing to, you know, A, teach me to 
give me a little bit of slack for the first couple of months and let me really learn this skill so I can really perform the job well. And if you're able to like have an open communication about that kind of problem or explain to them why you're already really good at it, like you're really going to stand out to them and you're going to be, you're going to be a hire, you know, like that's, I would say that's my best advice for that situation. Yeah. You know, um, I, I do, I, I do agree with you. I think, um, I, I think researching the company beforehand is very important. I know you mentioned uh, Micah over at Nelnet. Uh, last year, I actually applied for the Nelnet Pathway internship, and I made it. It was a very competitive internship, right? And I made it to the very final round solely off of the fact that I just like knew so many random facts about Nelnet, and I used that to like, you know, surprise the the interviewers, and you know, they they were really impressed that I knew all these things. Um, but you know, we're, we're running out of time here. I, I do want to ask you one more question. You're living the dream, man. You, <laughs> you turned an internship that you love into a full-time position after you graduate. How'd you do it? And like, what advice would you have for someone that w- wants to do that? Man, I, this, is a, this is a tough question. I, I get asked this kind of frequently. Um, you know, like the, the actual internship itself was three months with with Kiwit and it was just supposed to be you know like a little summer gig and they were like yeah gain some skills move on to the next thing and instantly like week one I was like oh my god I love this I absolutely like I love everything about what I'm doing right now the content is amazing there's so many little tiny little details that I can learn about and like this is awesome I, I just geeked out super hard for it and I was really really honest about it I was like I I would be in a meeting with someone and I would make the comments like, I'm totally geeking out over this. And then I'd ask them a thousand questions. And like people, if they like, if they really, really like their job, they're going to know a lot about that job. And so what you need to do is if you also really like that job and you're just starting out, you're probably not going to know anything about anything. And so your job is to ask questions. Your job is to, you know, really get your hands dirty, really try to make some mistakes really just try to learn. You should just be a, an absolute sponge for as long as possible. You should never stop being a sponge, but especially at that those beginning stages, just absorb everything, write everything you threw down, come back and actually, you know, pay attention, like read your notes when you get home from your notes from the day, like actually like go home and like actually analyze what you just learned or what you did and really, really spend some time trying to like have some key takeaways from every single day. And I think that's really cool because then when you're done with the internship and, you know, you might not be the perfect fit, you might want to go try something else. It's like you kind of have this like journal of like all this stuff that you learned and you can actually write some really cool resume lines on it. But, you know, some some other things that you can really do to like stand out, it's like I, I the main one is just ask questions, ask, ask so many questions that you annoy people. Um, but at the same time, it's like, that internship was only supposed to be 40 hours a week. And what was nice was it was, it was a work from home kind of situation where I I had a laptop. So like I had to work laptop, all the work was on the laptop and like I would do my 40 hours and I would like normal day, I would work for like eight hours straight, you know, take lunch breaks, whatever, go hang out with the roommates, that kind of thing. And at the end of the work day, I would take a break. I would take like an hour and a half break and I would go and I would work out or I would go grab some food or just like, you know, shoot the shit with my friends. And I would come back and like I was, it was summer. I didn't have any schoolwork. I, it was COVID. So I really wasn't like going out and doing anything. I couldn't go anywhere. And so like, I was just like, you know, like, uh, I, I kind of want to just keep working. 
and I couldn't bill anybody. I wasn't allowed to work overtime. Like I couldn't do anything about it. And I just kind of sat there and I just absorbed myself in the information that I was learning. And I, I'll be honest, like I was working 70 hours, 70, 80 hours a week. I would work on Saturdays and Sundays. Like it was a full-time job. Um, and you could say like, that's a workaholic mentality. And I, I, I'll be honest, like, I don't do that anymore. Like I'm, I'm nine months in and I, I would say like, you know, I'm pushing 40, maybe 50 hours a week. Um, but I think what happens there is this is, this is the coolest concept of all time to me. And this is, I, you guys are college business students. So you understand this. There's the Clifton strengths or whatever, where it's like your top five traits or like 90% of college or business students all have competitiveness in their top five. I love that stat. and for me, competitiveness is, it's my number two. It, it, it is one of the major driving forces um, behind like my energy level and like, you know, just my, what I want to do when I wake up in the morning. And what's so cool about time and your ability to actually devote yourself to a certain topic or a certain situation is I, I like this hypothetical um, situation where there's two people. So, you know, person A, works 40 hours a week for 10 weeks, right? That's going to be, how many is that? That's like, what, 400 hours? Is that right? And I'm not good at math. I'm terrible at math. Is that right? So person A works for 40 hours uh, for 10 weeks. That's for, I'm just going to say 400 hours. Whereas person um, B, they work 80 hours for 10 weeks. Those people are making the exact same amount of money but one person is spending double the amount of time, who's gonna be able to provide a one, a better product, two, be able to talk to other people about the product in a more knowledgeable way, and three, who's probably just gonna like have more confidence going into every single meeting that they have. It's like, if you actually like sit there and devote yourself for like three to six months to a specific thing, and you like fully, fully, fully commit to that, 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 that thing that you're trying to accomplish, the odds that you fail are so low, right? They're so low. And like, I, after like two weeks, I was like, okay, like I want to work with you at, I want to, I want to, I'm going to get a full-time offer. Like, I've, like, I know, I know what I'm trying to do here is sounds kind of crazy, but it's like, I'm going to, I'm just going to work my ass off. I'm going to, I'm not going to get paid for it. I don't care. Um, I'm going to just absorb myself in what I'm trying to get accomplished here. And if I don't, if I don't succeed, I'm going to at least give them my best effort. And so that's what I did. I worked my butt off and I didn't get paid for it. Um, and at the end of the internship, I, I just straight up said, like, Hey, you know, like I worked my butt off. Here's all the stuff I did. You guys, you guys like me. I like you. Um, you know, can I keep working through the school year? And let's just keep the internship going. Like I had enough at that point, like they'd given me enough responsibility where it's like, there's work for me to do, like keep going, man. So that was that three month internship turned into a nine month internship with, I think, uh, I don't know how many months till June, three, three months. So, you know, a full year worth of a, of an internship, you know, that's, that's just hard work. Um, I hate that answer. I hate just chalking up to hard work, but it's like, they're not just going to give you it. You know, no one's just going to give you a job. No one's just going to say, Hey, we like you. Here you go. It's like, no, like you got to prove 
that you deserve it. Like you got to prove that you care. You got to prove that you're capable. So it's like the only way to do that is just to put your, put your head in the book, put your head in the, on the grindstone and like hustle, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, man. Like that's, that's, that's how you get things done in, in the world. So that's my advice. Yeah. Awesome. Wake up and grind. <laughs> get on that grind. Awesome. Well, Jack, I throw that alarm clock on at 5.30 a.m. every day. <laughs> what are you doing at 5 a.m.? <laughs> I'm still sleeping all the way through night. But uh, listen, Jack, honestly, no one better in the world to have on for the first guest of the Alpha the Zeta podcast. You gave some great advice. Uh, really enjoyed having you on, man. Me too. Definitely an inspirational man right here. I feel really motivated to work on my resume right now. I I really appreciate it guys. I really do. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, the other guests come on here and like, here's here. You guys, you know, keep um, interviewing. And like, this is, this is one of those things where it's like, if you guys really care about this, like just grind on it, grind on it, put some time into it. Like who knows, maybe you become like a, you know, (laughs) maybe you go work for NPR one day doing podcasts. Like seriously, like just hustle. If if that's what you want to do, hustle, hustle on it. Maybe one day we can get a sponsorship by the Union Bookstore or something. <laughs> Accounting <Hopefully>. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Good luck with the, your, uh, the rest of your internship and then moving on to Washington, man. Glad to have you on. Appreciate it. Take care. And uh, we will see you back on the Alpha to Zeta podcast. Hopefully in about two weeks, we will see uh, what our schedule is looking like. But uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed. Peace.